Now, we've got a very special person in the room today. Would you like to introduce yourself? Oh, hello. I'm Raphael Alumeri. I'm an independent writer writing a history of student radio in Australia. Mm, and Marcy's best friend. <gasps> Aww. That's so cute. I wish, yeah. I mean, I can say this. You are one of my besties at this point. Oh, <laughs> Illy, Marcy. I love being friends with Gen Z. They make me seem younger. <laughs> I mean, I'm kind of a cross between, like, Gen Y and Z. Basically. I said you make me seem younger, Marcy. I said you make me seem younger. Let's <laughs> we'll just leave go, it at that. We'll go with that. This <laughs> is, is, is a conversation about you and your book. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Now, first things first, what inspired you to like, write, like start writing a book on student radio? Sure. So first, first of all, student radio is like, long story short, radio by students for students. So what inspired me was being part of my student radio station at Radio Monash. I happened to walk by the O-Week stall and the rest is history. I became a news presenter and then the news editor, then the vice president. And then I've just been involved in community radio ever since. I'm more of a writer, though, so I was trying to decide on my first project. No one ever wrote a history of student radio before, so I was like, I'll do it. Yes, indeed, and I've seen some snippets of it, and it looks amazing. Oh, thank you. It is amazing, yes. <laughs> yes, and you mentioned some of your background in student radio, but like, what like other experiences and stories you have involved in student radio? In, in the history of student radio, or for myself? I guess both. It both? Okay, sure. I did a, program, a radio program for young Muslim women at 3CR. I did, I've been a volunteer for PBS just casually, like on reception for like six years, probably longer than that, actually. I was the Arts Talks manager for Sin a few years ago. Uh, you may not know that, um, as I just hang around the studio all the time, but I was, yeah, on, I, on the air a few times. I am leaning to that now. I'm like <laughs> even more impressed. Yeah, um, I was just, yeah, covering for somebody, but I just love the environment of studio radio. Can't get enough of it, but since I'm not as much of an on-air personality, I'm doing contributing in a different way. That's so interesting that you have like this foundation of student radio and that's why you've come to write this book. Like it's obviously something you're passionate about. It's really great. Thank you. It's really (laughs) weird because it's like one of the questions I've begun to ask my interview subjects and the questions I've asked myself and my friends and you guys, Mm. just why are you part of student radio? And I asked myself, why were you part of student radio? You're a writer. You're not really, never really wanted to be on the radio or anything. There's this inexplicable thing that makes young people drawn to expressing themselves. The fact that it's radio um, has, it's kind of has a historical context of why it's radio specifically. But the the main thing is that it's young people wanting to express themselves all the way back to the 1930s. It's this like weird thing that makes us want to express ourselves. Yeah. And I was looking at that on the website, like all the sort of, there's a lot of sort of the posters on the website of like the ra- student radio in the 70s and everything mm-hmm. and it's sort of like always been this way that the student body can express themselves as well like I feel like it's always been you know student radio is often like political and stuff so it's mm-hmm. got this such a strong basis in Australia of like it being really important like that yeah absolutely and I would argue that so it's it's not just expressing yourself, it's yeah. expressing yourself on your own terms. Yeah. So that's a really important distinction. It's not just young people being on the radio, it's young people being on the radio that's created mm. by themselves, run for themselves. Tech is always run by students, the station itself is built by students, the admins run by students, and that's the important distinction between, for example, a youth broadcaster like Triple J yeah. and student radio, which is it's not independent. That's the most yeah. important thing. And I would actually argue on the political thing that any time a young person expresses themselves, even if the content is not political, it's always a political act. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. 
What has been your routine with writing the book? Do you want to talk us through like a typical writing day for you? Sure. I work eight days a week to to write this book. I have a day job. I'm broke student doing it independently, self-publishing. And so I work three days a week as a receptionist. Mm. So during the day, if I'm not answering phones, I'll be doing like more menial stuff that you don't have to be super focused on. So I'm like dating photographs and stuff like that. Go home, try to get a lot of stuff done. I organize interviews. I go on LinkedIn trying to track people down (laughs) from the 1970s, try to organize finding archives. I've just come back from my last capital city visit. So I've just come back from Darwin. So I've done my full research trip around Australia. So my life is just like sorting through like newspapers. Oh, this is a fun fact. I have now read every student newspaper in Australia since the 1970s. That's amazing. Since 1965, (laughs) all of them that are available, I've touched them. (laughs) I've got, like, ink on my hands. that's so much content. That's amazing. It's a lot, yes. But it's all, all, like, worth it, yeah. Yeah. So what goes into, like, the research process of this? Because I feel like a lot of these could very easily be lost to time. How have you managed to sort of find everything like that, especially the posters, because I'm looking through them, Mm. like, right now, and I'm... I love the one with Shannon Noll. Like that, just, just straight <laughs> up, so love good. Shannon Noll. My fave as well. <laughs> How do you go down in like researching all this? Sure, that's a great question because one of the issues is there's a lot that has been lost. So there's a few there's a few avenues. So first of all, one of the only underground alternative, like let's say zini, independent mm. kind of things that have been published that would touch on student radio are student newspapers. And the only reason they survived is because of their relationship to institutions. So obviously, like Monash University is a prestigious organisation, so they would be inclined to preserve their student newspaper even if yeah. they don't like the political aspects of yeah. it. So that is my number one strategic attack on the issue. So that's why I read all the student newspapers. And then after that, I create lists of names and I basically try to track people down. It's a massive amount of work, but that's the only way to do it. Mm. I can also guess. So I can guess, for example, if it was a TAFE or a college, it pretty much like a 90% chance that it had a student radio station. So a lot of times I'm creating alumni lists just in general. I'll Mm. literally just call people, be like, hi, you went to this college in this time. Do you remember the student radio station there? Um, And I've I've gotten a bit of success from that. That's so much fun. I'm a big nerd. What has been like the feedback from the people you've actually spoken to about this project? It's been really wonderful as people are like really into the idea and the more I go into it and the more I research and the more I have nervous breakdowns like, oh my God, what am I doing? Mm. And the more I'm backed up by the people that I interview, they're always really interested. People are really emotionally connected to their time as student radio. I mean, it was probably the only time in their lives where they were able to really freely express themselves without restriction um, and be genuinely creative. And so they're always, always say, put me down for a book when the book is published. People have been extremely receptive to giving interviews, hours of their own time that they really don't have to give. They've given me like memorabilia and things like that, which is one of the greatest things that this is my first book project, that it's a community-based thing. Community radio people are always really willing to help out. I guess like out of the people you've spoken to, which one's been like the most rewarding? Like the fact that you, it maybe was a bit of a difficult process to track them down. And when you finally like, yes, I finally gotten onto you. Well, that's, that's really interesting because I I will say that 
well, I have to say so far because I have not done a lot of my interviews yet. One of the most difficult people to find was Michael Madison, who is a draft resistor in the 1970s. If you're around in the 1970s, you probably would know his name. He was, let's say, the leader, the, the poster boy of the draft resistance movement. So if I can explain what that is, um, in the late 60s, early 70s, the Vietnam was going on. It was a huge issue at the time, particularly because Australia had the draft, which means that if you were 18 to 20 years old, you were drawn out of a ballot, you were forced to go to fight in Vietnam. And so in order to protest the war, Australian young Australians would protest the draft. Mm. So Michael Madison was called up for the draft. He said they told him he has to go to Vietnam. He said, no, go to hell. Um, <laughs> and he became really, really famous for resisting. Um, and he was involved in something called 3DR, Draft Resistance Radio, which was one of Australia's biggest pirate radio projects in history. Um, and it was really influential at the time. I know for a fact that it had some influence on the creation of Triple Z in Queensland. Um, it took me forever to find him. <laughs> I interviewed everybody else associated with the project, but I was eventually able to meet him. And he's a really interesting guy. He's really nice. <laughs> he is a really cool working class bloke who, like, you know, ended after he stopped with the draft resistance stuff. He continued working in factories and things mm. like that. And it was just really cool to meet him just for personal reasons. I just really like him. It's amazing that there's so much history behind student radio. Like, I would never have thought of it like that, you know? But it's, yeah, there's so much that has exist- it's existed for such a long time. Like you said, since the 1930s? Yeah, since the ni- um, I just found out about the University of Sydney had ah, yes. some students do some very student-run activities mm. for something called, for, like, little festivals and stuff. And in 1947, they tried to get a student radio station like we have now, like almost like sin. Student-run, student-run mm. te- tech, all of that. And the university said no, that they doubted the students could run so much as a PA system, let alone a, stu- oh, a radio okay. station. <laughs> and that's one of the ex- one of the many examples of the institutions holding down student radio. Yep. There's this like impression that students are like just sort of disorganized and they don't really know what they're doing. And sometimes that's true, but overwhelmingly you can see throughout history a lot of the student radio stations were extremely well organized. They were absolutely up to code. They were cutting edge technology. They were really pushing the boundaries of like what we can and can't do in a good way in terms of content. And the only reason they weren't able to succeed was because of the universities and because of the government. Mm. Yeah. What well, um just like in on that note, what can you tell us about the history of student radio at RMIT? Like, do you know much like prior to Sin, what was going on? I'm really curious. Yeah, sure. Artsman had a gentleman called John Mazel on um, a few I weeks ago. That, yeah. um, he was actually I brought him in for an interview myself, and then yeah. the Artsman and producers <laughs> pounced on him. Good on them. That's that, great. Yeah, you can find the interview actually on the Omni. Yes, so. you can track it down, uh, or you can go on my Facebook as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I would say at this point, I believe, I'm not 100% sure because I have not finished my research, mm. but I believe RMIT is home to Australia's first student radio station. <laughs> That's um, so good. It was called Studio One. Studio One gave rise to Studio Two, so this would be around 1961. Mm. Studio Two became 3ST, as in 3 S-T-U-D-I-O-2, which became the Student Radio Association, which merged with a high school radio station to form SIN in 1998. Mm. Wow, that's an incredible history. That yeah, massive. It's, yeah, uh, makes so much proud. stuff. <laughs> and a lot of um, a really amazing alumni came out of that. Yeah. Yes. We know them well. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> now then. Including you guys. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, alumni. <laughs> we got to connect on LinkedIn. <laughs> yeah. Now. I imagine before I caught a sneak preview of some of your stuff before, but could you, like, 
give us the, the rest of us and then and the listeners a little bit of a of a snippet of of what's being expected in the book. Yeah, sure. Um, so there's I will be doing my very best to find content examples because it's just me waffling on about random historical facts. It's really about the actual content, the history, historical, ah, pardon me, the media content, the creative content of the student radio shows. So I'm going to be doing some top 10 show names. My favourite so far is Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galleries. And <laughs> That's very um, cool. I'm going to go into the political implications of student radio and what's happened throughout the years. For example, there is some drama with Triple J, Australia's <gasps> national youth broadcaster, which is run like with the ABC. So mm. there were some student radio stations in the city which said were really against Triple J when it first started. They said they were Triple J was ripping off oh, student radio format. Yeah. And that it was yeah, it was like most of the people that work at Triple J are like much older than people that work yes. in student radio. Yeah. That it's kind of like taking the really awesome content of student radio and kind of like diminishing it mm. a little bit. On the con- on the other hand, a lot of country student radio stations were all for Triple J because they didn't have anything alternative where they yeah. were at. There's going to be a lot of discussion about the universities and the government, etc. the various examples of how student radio has tried to get ahead. Really legitimate position to get a license, for example, and like constantly been held down. Sin as the really the thing that the only time student radio has ever gotten licensed in a kind of robust and holistic way. And how SIN is an example of our, how student radio's strength is in its unity. Um, and I'm going to hopefully have a bit of a call to arms for people who are currently in student radio who often feel really dissociated and like, oh, what I'm doing isn't important and stuff. If I, just, I would just love if the outcome of the book was to put all the people at Radio Monash and, you know, student radio at Curtin University and stuff and got them all together and, like, connected in a really real way and made something really awesome happen. It's incredible. Like yeah. an, the ultimate collaboration. <laughs> yes, I hope so, yeah. Either through sin or through something else. But it's important that we keep in contact with each other, especially because we can. Like, they didn't have the technology that we have back in the 70s. Like, imagine what they could have done if they could have called Western Australia. Oh, I guess they could have called Western Australia. (laughs) Well, imagine if they could, you know, message a song to Western Australia at a moment's notice. They could do simulcasts across the country with digital radio. There's so many options, and we just have to make sure that we fulfil our potential and not be held down. So where can people find like a, a page or any sort of social media There's to support website, this right? cause. Yeah, I have, a, I have a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah. I forced myself to learn how to use Instagram. As an, <laughs> as an old 25-year-old, I learned how to use it. So you can get me at Student Radio History. You can get me on Facebook, Student Radio History. You can go to studentradiohistory.com.au if you're more old school. I'm on LinkedIn if you that's your vibe. I've got stuff all over the place. I'm really, really easy to contact. If you are part of Student Radio, at any point, I'd love to hear from you. So please give us a shout out. I'd love to have a quick chat about your experiences. Um, yeah, that's me. Thank Fantastic. you so much. It's been fascinating. Yes, it has been a privilege and just so much fun having you on here. It was my pleasure. <laughs>